So before we jump into the podcast with the Lexicona, I do want to just apologize in advance. There has been a little bit of editing issue, a bunch of white noise that I couldn't quite remove properly all the way in post-editing. So there is a little bit of white noise there from certain microphones and it's nobody else's fault than mine. Uh, so just keep that in mind and once again I do apologize for this but let's just jump into episode number three with Lexicona. All right everybody welcome to the Speedrunner podcast episode number three. I am here today with Lexicona. How are you doing? Doing well thank you very much for asking. How are you? I am doing fantastic today. Glad to hear it. Uh, So before we jump into the hard-hitting questions here tell us a little about yourself. Um so as uh, Penguin said, my name is Lexicona. I am what I consider a former speedrunner. Um, I've been speedrunning for probably, you know, definitely not as long as some other people, uh, but for, I'd say, a good three, four years. Um, and I've speedrun many different games, ranging from Final Fantasy IV to uh, Nier Automata to all these different sorts of games. So ultimately... You know, I have a lot of, uh, I've experienced a lot of different games, but um, I am pretty inexperienced as a whole. However, I say former speedrunner because I kind of gave up speedrunning at some point. Um, but actually recently, um, because of this podcast, it has made me want to start going back to it. So um, yeah, but that's that's me. Um, there's anything, is there anything you would like to maybe know about me specifically or... Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for that. That's a big honor for saying that, uh, that you want to get into speedrunning. Not, I'm saying mainly, but partly because of the podcast. Of course. Um, but uh, yeah, we're going to get into that a little bit more. I, I want to go back, though, through the years um, and just ask you, how did you get into speedrunning in the first place? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so funny, funny thing is I've thought about this myself. And honestly, I, I couldn't tell you. Um, really? Yeah, so I've thought sometimes, you know, what was it that really got me into speedrunning? And the best thing I could come up with an answer for would be um, Dark Souls. I was really interested in speedrunning Dark Souls and or Bloodborne around the time that I got a PS4, and I got Bloodborne with the PS4. And I looked into those, and I um, saw, oh, hey, people are doing this really cool thing called speedrunning. It looks really interesting. I want to do it. And this is, this is, of course, what I think happened. And so I do remember I had a notepad that my uncle had given me. And I just started writing notes. I was watching the world record run. And I was just writing notes. They do this. They do that. They do this. And, you know, I never really got into Bloodborne speedrunning or anything like that. But, um, you know, that was my start. And I became a lot more aware of speedrunning and of the speedrun community. Eventually, a few years passed. Um, you know, I had played Fire Emblem Awakening and I thought it'd be cool to speedrun this game. The community wasn't really that big at the time and I didn't know there were communities themselves. There just weren't a lot of runs. 
So I um, maybe did a run or two of that. Um, got an unofficial world record in the New Game Plus category on my first try. Um, <laughs> <laughs> of course, it's unofficial, so I can't provide proof, but it was timed on my phone. Um, but still GG, nonetheless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that occurred, and then I looked into Final Fantasy IV, um, and I was doing runs of that, and I participated in the Mysidia Mayhem uh, 2, or 2nd edition, I guess, uh, whatever it's called. Give me a moment to think. Um, I guess tournament, because uh, people were competing. Yeah, it, w- it was a tournament. And um, we we were all just competing against each other. I had a little bit of screen time. I uh, commentated a run or two. But I didn't really make myself my identity in speedrunning until Nier Automata had come out on PC. I really looked forward to Nier Automata. I wanted to play it, and I, I got it. Uh, I bought it the day before it came out, and, you know, I loved it. I loved that game. After I beat the first ending, I immediately looked into the speedrun community and um, started, you know, started uh, making my way through that, playing the game, doing the runs, things like that. Eventually, I had developed at least somewhat of a name for myself. Uh, some people still know me in that community, but it's I'm pretty much just like I'm I'm old news when it comes to that game. Um, from there, my computer, which I mentioned is old, started having some issues running the game, so I shifted over to games that were less intensive, such as Final Fantasy XIII, etc., 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 and then it snowballed from there. All right, interesting, interesting. So. Obviously, most people people who who speedrun they, they tend to eventually, one way or another, end up going to Twitch and live streaming their speedruns there. So, how did you get into streaming? Was it because of the speedruns, or did you do any streaming prior to that? Yeah, so I'm I'm relatively young um, compared to a lot of other streamers. I'm 21 years old, um, and I found Twitch when I was probably 15. Um, you know, and I followed a lot of streamers, and streaming was something I wanted to do. You know, I was one of those kids in middle school that looked up to the YouTubers and wanted to be a YouTuber. And so when I found Twitch and I found the type of community that it was and the type of platform that it was, it really just shifted a lot of my passion. Uh, I don't stream as much nowadays, as much as I'd like to, but that's due to other issues that um, are unrelated to this. Um, but yeah, I, I found streaming, and um, one day I was browsing Twitch, and I found some Dark Souls or Bloodborne speedruns or whatever, and that ties into what we just talked about. All right, so that actually kind of segues into my next question there. What was your, your first speedrun that you saw? But it was Bloodborne and Dark Souls then. It was one of the two. Again, I don't remember enough about them to really say anything about it. Yeah, I mean, you, do, you tend to forget those things as well. I can't even... That was I, four years ago. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like I can't remember the first streamer I saw on Twitch. I I know the first game I saw was probably StarCraft Two because I was super into that scene at the moment mm-hmm. or at the time. But I cannot remember which who was the first streamer I ever watched. That's that's super difficult question. Unless you're like got perfect memory or <laughs> actually wrote it down. Like I if, don't think many people can answer it. For me, if the game was Dark Souls, I could probably tell you who it was, or at least the person who really helped me refine those speedrunning tastes the speedrunner that i really watched around the time for dark souls um i don't want to name drop unless you want me to just 
for no, no, no. Feel, feel free to to name drop or shout out anyone. Yeah, um, I, I don't hang around his community anymore. I tend to stray from certain communities at times. Um, but his name was Immersed Kemp. He was a really, really cool guy. Um, really nice fella. Um, and he was the guy I really watched, and he helped me kind of foster that speedrunning energy. I know that much. I don't remember where it started, but I know that I watched a lot of it through him. So you mentioned uh, when, once you started off there with Final Fantasy IV, you got an uh, unofficial world record there. That was um, Fire Emblem. Oh, Fire Emblem. Uh, my apologies. But I've noticed over your, your, um, your speedrun.com user... Uh, there's some various pr- places that you've ended up on and such, and I just want to ask you, like, what when you got into speedrunning and just before you ended or stopped speedrunning, what was your your goal with speedrunning? Um, you know, when it comes to like my goal for speedrunning, are you talking at the time of starting or now, or both? Let me, uh, I can I can rephrase that a little bit. Like, okay. instead of goal, like, what was your your motivator? Why why did you speedrun at comparing? To when you first started off speedrunning to when you stopped speedrunning. Like, yeah, I don't really know. <laughs> that sounds weird. Um, <laughs> I think I, I just thought it was cool. You know, I, I just thought, oh my god, these people are playing games I like really quickly. And I think a subconscious motivator is that I wanted to be to experience these games again. You know, I wanted to kind of relive that experience of playing it for the first time. But with added, added uh, challenges along the way, such as, you know... Let's take uh, Final Fantasy XIII, for example. It has challenge runs where you don't really effectively level up your characters if you don't know how FF13 works. That's the best way I can describe it. And, you know, stuff like that that really helps somebody properly re-experience a game uh, besides the story. Um, I think that was a big motivator for me to actually get into speedrunning is to re-experience it, to, to live through it, and to really be a part of that game all right so so it was mostly like a nostalgia value like reliving uh, the game having a reason to play through it again essentially yeah i think so if if i recall correctly yeah so how much uh, how much did you practice uh, your speed runs or was it more just a case of learning the run and just playing through it for the fun of it or did you actually do any practice to try and get some kind of competitive uh, time Yeah, so um, this actually starts to go, this starts with Fire Emblem, but really only starts to take precedence with Nier Automata. I was very surprised when I got that Fire Emblem unofficial world record. Of course, I didn't didn't submit it because obviously it was recorded on my phone. I didn't actually record the run. I just recorded the time. Um, But, you know, I practiced that for a couple days before actually timing it, and I got some of the menuing down. When it came to Nier Automata, which, as I mentioned, was really my first, like, break. The first time I actually pursued speedrunning for speedrunning's sake. Um, I did a bit of practice, but I kind of had words from somebody I used to um, watch a lot. They kind of rang in my head. Uh, And that is, don't practice off-stream if you plan on becoming a more popular streamer. And by no means take this as... um, real advice this is just something that was running through my head don't practice off stream if you plan on streaming speedruns regularly because that practice could turn into stream content yeah exactly and and on top of that your viewers can potentially help you out with the practice yeah exactly but yeah so i mean i don't necessarily believe 
that statement per se anymore, but it was some it was what was mostly going through my head at the time. Um and so, you know, I would practice, but ultimately I wanted to do the runs. I didn't care much about practice. For me, doing the run itself was the practice, unless it was like an out-of-bounds skip or something. Uh, you know, I wanted competitive times, but I feel like that was more me pushing myself unhealthily um, and not understanding my limits and what I really wanted out of speedrunning, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you're, you're mostly, or well, primarily... Uh, an RPG uh, speedrunner, considering the games you've speedrun. What has been the most difficult things about speedrunning, either speedrunning as a general whole or like specifics in games? Um, you know, I favor typically I favor longer games, but the big common denominator that I found with every game that I speedrun is its music. As for you know, your question was about difficulties in speedrunning. Uh, you know, personal pressure is a big one. Similar to uh, the first episode of the podcast, it was you. You guys talked about you know personal pressure, mental health, etc. And I, I really resonated with that. Um, because something people constantly say among the community is speedrunning is a hobby. Enjoy it. And. To a degree, I understand that, but there is also kind of a mentality that a lot of people don't want to talk about where it's very competitive. It's similar in some cases, um, maybe not to this degree, but similar to, say, League of Legends and esports. Many people want to go for that goal. They want to be that top esports player, and they put all that pressure on themselves, even though for a lot of them, they're not going to achieve that. Um and so the pressure, the the why am I doing this questions that eventually came up in my head, that was the hardest part for me in speedrunning. Um, you know, the games are the games. There's a lot of correlation to what you're saying with esports. Like if you compare it to maybe, let's say, eight years ago when I was really, really, really into the StarCraft two scene, uh, commentating on on master level gameplays and that kind of thing but when it came down to when i wanted to do the ladders for ranked just pressing that play button caused so much anxiety it was insane and i can it's something i can relate to even today like i've kind of hit that wall that's why i've taken a break from streaming at the moment because i've set everything up obs is ready to go and just pressing that start streaming button there's so much anxiety related to it and that's why it, it could be healthy to take a break but it's like you said it's a little bit of a taboo um with not only within speedrunning community but with streaming in general like that a lot of people don't want to talk about that there is a lot of anxiety and there's there's a lot of questions that arise it's like oh my god is this going to be good content is anyone actually going to watch that kind of thing so i completely agree with you there on the topic of streaming um itself diverting from speedrunning um you know i personally want to wanted to stream wanted to stream full-time at some point um and you know i also wanted to enjoy streaming i never stuck to a game and i would say that was a big downfall in my stream i never really hit past 10 10 viewers consistently it's just a fact of reality i didn't get too popular in the time that i cared about streaming now the only times i stream is really when i'm raiding in final fantasy 14 and in my recent attempts to go back to speedrunning. um just kind of, for me, it wasn't anxiety when it came to streaming, it was depression. 
it was nobody's talking in my chat, nobody's sitting in my stream. And if I can't talk to myself, nobody's going to continue to stay here. And that that pressure of what's the point if nothing is going to improve um, was really the biggest issue. And I feel like that can also translate to speedrunning. If like how I was um, for say FF13, um, I I really just hit a I hit a wall. I could not improve. At least I didn't think I could. I kept uh, resetting my runs over stupid issues in uh, in the first chapter out of 13 chapters. Uh, things that would lose maybe a minute when I had 25 minutes to save. Uh, just kind of that, that impending, like, this isn't worth it idea that stuck in my mind. That was the biggest issue. I've never really been the insanely competitive person when it came to this sort of stuff. So it wore me down. It wore me down greatly. And that's why I took such a long break. Yeah, and I think a lot of people can relate to what you're saying there as well. Especially when when you're in that mindset of, all right, I want to climb the leaderboard at least a couple of places. I want to improve in this. And then you start getting nitpicky about small, small stuff. I don't know, have you ever seen a Final Fantasy ten two speedrun? I have, very briefly. I, I'm not 100% familiar with it. Yeah, so basically, for those who don't know, uh, the ones who are really competitive about it, they will play the intro about 50 times, probably, until they get that perfect start to the game. That's that's just JRPG speedrunning in a nutshell. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But that, that just shows like the dedication, and they're like, I understand from that point of view why people just feel like they're hitting a wall mm-hmm. because there are there is a point in most speedruns when you just you have to be nitpicky but the question is when do you want to take that nitpicking into consideration and overall do you want to take that nitpicking into consideration because sometimes people just want to speedrun for speedrunning's sake they'll compete against themselves but like um take the person who used to be called Albrecht he is now called Vernie um Somebody I've watched for years was a um, was third on the FF13 leaderboard for some time. I don't know if he still is. He speedruns and he, unless he does something fatal to the run, he always completes his run. That's the t- sort of stamina I want for myself, you know. Um, and I think that's something. Ever a lot of people could take a page out of his book in that you don't need every run to be a PB. You know, sometimes a run could be 10 minutes over your run, and as long as the run is still finishable, why not finish it? Yeah, exactly. And and there's always usually something to learn, especially if you're new to speedrunning or haven't haven't done it for a long time. Even if you, you're behind 10 minutes or you're losing time or it's not a PB, there's always something in the run that, you, that will make you, oh, this is going to be a time saver next run. Yeah, it, it, you could also have moments where it's like, well, I'm I'm coming up on this moment, so I think I, I'm just going to get there. I'm going to practice this skip because I want to practice it in a run setting, and then we'll reset. Like, having that restraint to just not hit that reset button immediately is, I think, very a very important skill for a lot of speedrunners to develop. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But moving on a little bit, let's flip that sign of the coin. And what's the most fun thing about speedrunning, do you think? The same reason I, I started in the first place, um, experiencing games. Um, re Reliving that experience of sorts. Uh, as I mentioned before, 
music was a very common denominator in um, video games that I speed ran because music is very important to me as a person. And so when I ran a game that I felt had great music, which was every game that I ran, I would just love those moments that I get at the end of the run when it's playing that triumphant finale against the final boss. Um, it's the most fun thing for me in speedrunning is re-experiencing it. And I, that's the only way I can describe it is, is the nostalgia, the, the very short-term nostalgia of beating the game again. Uh, right, so we've we've touched on this uh, next topic a little bit, but I want to go a little bit deeper there. Uh, how do you think speedrunning compares to other sports and and esports uh, as a whole? Um, I mean, I think it's it's similar. I won't say the same because there are very stark differences when it comes to them, but they are definitely very similar. Um, there, you know, there are there are obvious differences such as athletic uh, ability versus mental ability. Some can be more mentally taxing than the others. Um, and others can be more physically taxing than some. But ultimately, I think they're uh, two sides of the same coin. They're, they're very similar activities um, with very similar goals in mind, depending on where you want to go with them. Sometimes people just want to play fam- like friendly family soccer. You know, you're out on a picnic with your whole, you know, maybe your dad's side of the family and they love soccer like my dad's side does. And so they all play soccer as a family with, you know no scoring or anything like that it's just for fun and sometimes you're at the world cup yeah (laughs) just roll on in there um but do you reckon do you reckon speed running could be considered an an e-sport i think it could but there would need to be very specific um very specific barriers that need to be set in that regard um such as you know the goal of speed running you know, you take let's look let's use League of Legends as an example again because it was really a major pioneer in popularizing esports. Um, the the goal of League of Legends is to win, is to be the best. Whereas you can look at speedrunning, and the goal of speedrunning is to be the best you can be. And it's a very specific difference in the sense that yeah, you want to beat other people's times, but the only person you're racing against is yourself. It's like Mario Kart time trials. Sure, there are other times that other people are performing, but when you're in that race, the only other person there is that ghost. The ghost that you set previously. It, it's man versus themselves and not man versus, like, nature or whatever. You know, that whole chart of man versus god, man versus nature, man, man versus machine. Yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play the devil's advocate here a little bit as well, as I see where where you're coming from. Absolutely, I agree. And the core of things, speedrunning is usually down to the one person doing the run. But when comparing it to esports, take going back to League of Legends, there for example, there there's two kinds of people. There are, there's the kind of people who play the game to just it's a game. You're supposed to have fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then there's the people who play competitive, who wants to climb the ladder, who wants to be the best. And the same goes there for speedrunning. There's essentially, if you're being really generalizing here, there's also the same two kind of people. There are those who run the game for nostalgic value. They just want to have fun. They want to have a reason to play through the game again. And then there are those who desperately want that number one spot. So I also do see the similarity there that for me personally, I think certain speedrunning, uh, certain games in speedrunning could be one day considered 
uh, eSport level because they are just so competitive. Like Super Mario 64, for example. There are so many people running it. Or Pokemon. And there are so small differences between some of the world records, like the 1-2-3 spots in those categories, that the people are running it, they they are probably seeing it as a competitive thing. I'm not saying they're not having fun in what they're doing, but they're probably seeing it like I need to get this I need to get this number one spot somewhere deep inside. Maybe not their primary primary reason for doing the speedrun, but I'm sure it's a big part of it. Question for you, because this is going to be a comparison that I make in response. Um, did your I assume you went to high school, correct? Yeah. Um, did your high school have maybe a robotics team or anything like that? Uh, it did not. No. Okay. Um, basically, for those who don't know, robotics teams, um, and this is this may be something unique to the U.S. because my high school had it, and I know a lot of other high schools have it. Basically, what they do is they make robots, and they their robots they program them and everything, and then they pilot them around, and they complete certain objectives. And these competitions are held where um, they whoever gets the most points wins effectively. I like to think of speedrunning as that sort of thing. You know, robotics on its own doesn't require competitors. It's it's completely solitary. You can do it on your own and have fun with it. But if you're going to make something like a robotics competition, that's a different story. That's a situation where you're using this personalized hobby where you can do it all on your own and compete with others. That's similar to, say, a speedrunning race. Um and that's that's really similar to what I consider speedrunning as a sport um, to be. I consider it more of a performance because sports are, I feel, very competitive in nature, and I don't feel that speedrunning is like it's competitive, but it's competitive again in my eyes as against oneself, unless they wish to challenge another person. And I think this argument really just comes down to opinion. Exactly. Yeah. There, there is no real right or wrong answer here because there are so many people who are doing speedruns and there are so many opinions. Some people consider it to be, no, it's a competition, I have to be the best. Other people are more like you and me, just want to have fun with it. And it's, like you said, a performance. And that that's why I like this, this question because not only does it bring out whoever's on the podcast opinion <laughs> about it and it widens my view of it, but it, it's also... I think I think it could be an important question if this was to be a topic one day like should this should speedrunning be a competitive thing for prize money and tournaments and races and that kind of thing um it really it sets down to the competitor's mentality how they want to look at it someone who just runs it for nostalgia sure they might enter a tournament but then again they might not be that upset if they're knocked out either way because they've had fun doing it but at the same time you have the person entering the tournament who really wants to win that prize money, they're going to be really upset if they're knocked out, for example. Yeah, you run a heavy risk of developing a hyper-competitive culture to something that is really just rooted in a hobby. Because, you know, speedrun for whatever reason you want. If you want to get that world record, you strive for that world record. I will cheer you on. But don't force other people to do so as well. And if, if it were to become such a big thing, like an eSport, I feel that it would start to run that risk. Not necessarily a good or bad thing, but it would be something that has to be controlled. And it would have to be community-pleased. We would have to watch each other and check each other. Yeah, absolutely. 
But then again, it, it will always be voluntarily as well. You can't like force yeah. someone into a tournament and that kind of thing. So it's it's really it's really your own fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day, it's your own fault. <laughs> right. So I want to move on a little bit here as well. Um, I know you've taken part in RPG Limit Break. Yes. Uh, in 2017 there and uh, FF15 as well. Um, what are your thoughts on events like uh, AGDQ or ESA or uh, RPG Limit Break? Yeah. Um, so for context, so those who don't know, RPG Limit Break 2017, I was on the couch for near Automata at the beginning of the convention and FF thir- FF15, about halfway through the convention. Um, my opinions on events such as those, I don't mind them. Um, ultimately, there's there's two parts to it. There's the part where you're going because you want to support the charity that they're supporting. And that's great. But then there's the other side where you're going because you want to see speedruns. And I think that's also good. Maybe not just as good, because, you know, charity is always going to be a great thing. Um, but you're going because you want to support your passion. Um... I don't really have a problem with that. I think my biggest opinion on those sorts of events is when they occur, we need to be real with ourselves. We need to tell ourselves and be honest. Why are we coming here? What are we doing this for? Uh, Because when... Before RPG Learn Break and while we were there, um, you know, I was of the type that I cared about the charity, you know, RPG Learn Break uh, supporting NAMI, I suffer from really severe depression sometimes. Or, I, I have severe depression, but sometimes it affects me worse than others. Um, it's part of my life. But I was there because I wanted to speedrun, and I wanted to support the speedruns. That, that was why I was there. And it sounds selfish, but I'm just being honest. Um, and yet, I had been told multiple times, oh no, we're all here because of the charity. We're, we're doing this because it's a good cause. And while I support that, it's not why I was there. You know, we all have our reasons for being there, for meeting people, for doing things. And I think they're great events. They're great places where people can really, truly express themselves and, um, you know, be who they are. And while also supporting something so good and so grand. I also, though, have some negative opinions in the re- in the realm of... I feel that these events kind of lose themselves in that uh, supporting charity, and they, in some ways, need to recognize the influence they have over um, the popularity of the people that will be uh, attending the event. What do you mean when you say when you say that they're losing themselves and the charity? Could you could you explain that a little bit? Yeah, um, it's like I had said before. It's it's always focused on that and. That's what they're here for. That's why they're doing it. They're raising money for charity. Um, but it's easy to turn a blind eye to the way that your actions affect others in any case. And I think in this situation, um, sometimes they'll host certain people on streams or they'll do or they'll, you know, do something just because um, that person can bring in more money for the charity while effectively a lot of the time ignoring how that may affect or minimally affect um the person's popularity uh or whatever on twitch i'm not saying that's the goal or the point of it but it's something that needs to be considered when it comes to these events and the fact that they are followed by such a large crowd if that makes sense 
yeah it makes it makes all the sense and like there there's been a lot of talk about um mostly if i'm being blatantly honest agdq lately as well but but are we talking about the les belheim issue Oh, yeah, yeah. We're not going to deep down into that one. Uh, <laughs> but, like, AGDQ, there's been some at ESA, and I'm not too sure if there's been any, like, real controversies at RPG Limit Break. But I, I kind of agree with you as as well as I disagree in the sense that what you were saying earlier there about people going there, being there for the charity. I mean, I think it's, from a marketing perspective, People are saying it like, yes, I am a good person. I am here. <laughs> I want to support this charity. But at the same time, they're also there for the speedrunning. It doesn't have to be one or the other. They are there. But it ultimately, as humans, it looks better if we say we're there for the charity. Uh, if I'm being brutally honest. No, you're fine. I completely get where you're coming from. But I think, that, I think the majority of the people there are there for the speedrunning or to just meet up with people within the community they haven't met before they've mm-hmm. only talked to online because i've seen a lot of people on twitter and instagram and, and twitch as well who legitimately are excited to go to these events just to meet the people they talk to on a regular basis face to face and that's what i think is one of the great things about these events that they they bring people together not only online but in the physical realm as well yeah and that. <laughs> that was why i went to rpg limit break you know me being on <laughs> funny story the reason i was on the near automata couch in limit break while i'm not necessarily proud of my commentary on that run it was the first time i had ever couched anything at an event like that um you know me being on that was literally oh hey somebody is running near automata glitchless a category that i pioneered when i was a part of the community i'm gonna commentate that and i told him Hey, I'm commenting your run. And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, and Final Fantasy XV was very similar. Um, Kills Little Monster, the guy who ran the run, he and I both submitted our runs. His was admitted. Mine was a backup, just in case something were to happen. And so as a result, I had already plans to go. And he said, yeah, you'll couch my run. We'll go. That's good. But I was there because I wanted to meet the people. And that was my initial motivation Um I've learned a lot of things uh, through going there, and I have formed many opinions, some of which are maybe not appropriate for the conversation we're currently having. Um, but yeah, it goes with what you had said. Many people go there because they want to experience that tight-knit community that it develops. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we mentioned a little bit about the controversies and such as well. And uh, it's not we're not going to go into the whole Elizabeth Heim situation. That's uh, that's a that's a whole can of worms that doesn't need to be that, That's things. a whole podcast in itself. Uh, and there are many, many different opinions on it. But I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on the subject matter a little bit. Um, and if you just take a look, quick look at Google, uh, the the most common question um, in regards to transgender people and speedrunning mm-hmm. is why are there so many transgender people <laughs> within the speedrunning community. And it raises an interesting topic. Like, why why do you think this is? And for those who, who don't know how we got into this subject, just Google up the AGDQ Luzbelheim and you'll get all your answers there. But how do you, what do you think? Why do you think this is? Um, okay, so to bring up for context, in case anybody doesn't know, in, um, in the podcast, I am a transgender woman. I don't really make it too heavily a part of my identity, but I do have experiences that would be good to answer this sort of question. Um, to side note, 
if you go into my Final Fantasy 15, or the Final Fantasy 15 run that I commentated at RPG Limit Break 2017, you can find that on YouTube. There's actually a thread in the comments. Um, let me let me pull up the thread, and I'm not going to say any names. Um, uh, Final Fantasy 15 RPG Limit Break 2017. And uh, the thread is probably, uh, oh god, it might have actually been deleted? I don't know. But yeah, um, it was basically saying, like, you can obviously tell the people involved in RPG Lone Rake are the people behind SGBQ. It, that was paraphr- uh, paraphrasing. And <laughs> to clarify, if you couldn't tell, they were very clearly talking about me because I was, you know, I'm a trans woman and I maybe don't, I maybe didn't look the part of, you know, a cis woman, um, which is fine. I don't care. Um, yeah, here's the thread. I just got 20 replies. And this question actually came up as, why do you think there are so many people in the community? And I don't know. Um, if I'm going to be completely honest, it's, I don't have an answer because I don't know why people do what they want to do. However, my thoughts on the topic come from experience. And this is what I think tends to be a common denominator in this regard. Um, trans women specifically, um, you know, we are quote raised as boys. Um, to put it very roughly, uh, as a result, a lot of us being brought up are taught, uh, yeah, video games are for boys and not for girls. And so, okay, so a lot of us think, okay, we're a boy. We're also social outcasts because we don't fit in because our minds don't work like the other people's a lot of the time. And so we tend to turn to video games. As for why speedrunning draws that, I couldn't tell you. I have no, I have no clue. Um, but that's at least why I think there are so many trans women in video gaming itself, specifically. And it's like you can tell me really why, but how 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 do you think it compares to like other? I want in lack of a better word, but categories on let's say Twitch, for example, like other casual communities, like gaming communities or music or let's let's play or just chatting community in in your in your mind what why, why do you think the the transgender community is more drawn to speedrunning than any other i'm not saying it is but in this case just for the topic of debate again i i honestly have no clue um i, I think it's more something that is being uh being more pronounced because a lot of people are finding themselves and they're finding hey there are accepting people. I can be honest about myself. I can come out. Um, and that's that may seem, be why it seems like there's so many people when in reality it's a completely normal amount. Um, it really comes down to what people are used to. It's like I'm used to seeing all these non-trans people and now there's all these trans people. It's very different for them. So at the end of, it, end of the day, you could kind of just say um, it, 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 it justifies that the speedrunning community as a whole is a very warm and open 
community that welcomes everybody. And that's why a lot of transgender people feel safe to come out as a transgender person within that community. Yeah, um, a lot of people, and this is going more into the socio, or I guess the psychological aspect of it, a lot of trans people, like, some of them know they're trans, some of them don't, but, you know, trans people, regardless, are still trans at, like, at the end of, at the end of that person's life, after they've died, if they came out at that point in their life, you can, like, say, at least with the information we're given, they are a trans person, or, you know, they are a gay person, or whatever. Um, so it, it really comes down to fostering this community that is willing to stand up for each other and... I think you hit the nail on the head. The speedrunning community tends to be very nice and very open to people, and people feel more comfortable coming out. Um, you, you look at a lot of chats that are very hostile towards these sorts of things, and you know it's because they're behind a screen. They have that anonymity. But when you're interacting with somebody, you're helping them speedrun. You're not thinking about you know are they are they a boy? Are they a girl? Are they um, you know in Los Belhan's case, are they demi non-binary? anything like that um you're thinking about who is this person they want to speed run this game i want to help them more often than not and people want to be themselves and so that lets them be themselves like it's a big deal for us to be ourselves to to come out um so even if it may not be a big deal for speedrunning, it's it's kind of just a heavy weight off of our shoulders that we can let loose yeah absolutely and and once again um Going back to the whole uh, debacle and debate there, um, there's something like from my understanding, I'm not too too in, involved or I haven't read up on the whole thing uh, entirely. But from my understanding, some runners uh, think, or viewers as well for that matter, think it's required for all speedrunners to have their pronouns stated on various social media, aka basically Twitter. Uh, do, do you agree with this, that all speedrunners should state their pronouns? Um, I know the sentiment and I know the argument. Um, a lot of people say, and I'm not explicitly saying or stating agreement or disagreement with this, a lot of people say um, people should do this to normalize the use of pronouns so that trans people can feel more comfortable in spaces, so that people don't feel like they're going to be known for being trans when they put pronouns in their profile. It's a completely reasonable argument and completely valid point. Um, I think it is on us as people to really make sure that we are letting people feel welcome. And so if you have no personal problem with it, if you're like, yeah, I'm a boy, my pronouns are he, him, I want people to revert, refer to me as such, put them in your bios, no big deal. Um, in my specific case, uh, I, I, I don't think it should be required in any regard if you know, if we're talking about requirements, I don't think it should be required. I think it should be heavily um, encouraged. But, like, somebody like me, who is a trans woman, and maybe I don't want everybody to know, like, at some point. You know, maybe I want this all to blow past me, and I want to just live my life as a, as a woman, not a trans woman. Um, and that's that's more with the connotation that comes with that. You know, I'm maybe going to omit it just for my own personal comfort because in the current state of things, a lot of people will immediately notice like, oh, they put bio, or they put pronouns in their bio. That that means they're a trans person. 
it's not true, but it's the current state of appearance. And so at that point, you have to you have to be willing to sacrifice that image with the superficial people uh, or, you know, not care. And if, if you really want to, like, support trans people in our endeavor, I would heavily encourage you to do it. Um, but I don't think it's a requirement. It, it, it comes down to really your level of personal comfort in doing so. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you. Personally, from my standpoint, I support it all. I'm, I'm like, all love is good love. You do you. I'm not one to judge. Uh, personally, for me, I don't think it's required for my my own personal uh, Twitter, for example, to state my pronoun. But if someone was to call me a, a she, for example, or a they, I wouldn't be too upset about it either. Uh, but that that's just from my general, per- or not general, my personal perspective. I completely can understand both sides of the coin, um, people who are arguing against it and for it. But at the end of the day, for me personally, it's just, you do you. I'm fine with supporting everything, but I don't think it should spill out on the rest of the people. If you want to support in one way or another, that's great. That's fantastic. But I don't think it should be a requirement. And I understand the prejudice as well. That, that well, not prejudice, but that like, um, the 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 preformed image that putting your pronoun preconception. Yeah, preconception. That's the word. Thank you. Um, for putting your pro- pronoun on your Twitter bio, for example, will make people think that, oh, they've got their pronoun there. That means they're a transgender person when that's not the case. But then again, I also think that the people who do this in support also don't mind if someone were to call them a transgender person because then they can, then then that gives them a reason to bring up the discussion and spread more awareness to it. So it's just win-win at the end of the day. Yeah, completely, completely agree. It's Again, it comes down to your own level of personal comfort, and um, yeah, it, it's and when we when we go into this, you know, modern world where the lines of gender are becoming incre- increasingly blurred, um, you know, it's no longer male female as it was in maybe the the twenties, or you know, except for those who were non-binary back then, um, even, even like ten years ago. Yeah, ten years ago, it was very com very uncommonly accepted uh, for something such as non-binary to exist. Unfortunately, I'm very glad that we've made the progress that we have. Um, but when we when we look at the modern world with the blurred lines of gender, if you're going to not like have your pronouns in your bio, you need to be willing to accept that like people are going to refer to you as they sometimes to be safe. People are going to maybe mess up, and that is um, in some way or another, whether it be putting your pronouns in your bio or not, you're going to kind of experience what trans people experience in either being misgendered or being assumed that you're trans um a lot of as trans people's as as awareness of trans people becomes more prominent and accepted um people are gonna very quickly realize that uh a lot of the intolerance and whatnot is is uh not gonna work out for them yeah I agree with that end of the day intolerance just it doesn't work out like it's the human race as a whole we're we're all constantly progressing and changing so like things are going to change and be different sometimes for the good sometimes for the worse but you live and you learn hopefully <laughs> hopefully some people intentionally don't learn uh right so I want to steer us back a little bit onto the speedrunning track again 
And uh, honestly, the, the most of the majority of questions I have left, we've kind of already touched on or gotten an answer to in, in some kind of way. But based on the, the games you ran, uh, I want to I wanna mention um, Final Fantasy XV or Monster Hunter World as an example here. Uh, there are different categories in those. And what, what separates the categories and why do you think one is more popular or competitive than another? And is there a debate within those two games that which is the true any percent category? So I, I've run a, a plethora of games. Uh, Fire Emblem Awakening, FF4, Nier Automata, Fire, or Final Fantasy 13 and 13-2, uh, Final Fantasy 15, Okami HD, Monster Hunter World, Pikmin 2... It's all these different games. Um, but you brought up specifically fi- uh, Final Fantasy Fifteen and uh, Monster Hunter World. And if you'll let me, I'll also bring up Xenoblade Chronicles 2, um, which is the run I've been currently going back to. I don't normally go back to runs, but um, that has been the run that I've been reapproaching speedrunning with, because this is actually a very applicable question to that state of the situation. Using Monster Hunter World as the prime example... Um, if we're going to look at individual levels, the only thing that differs individual level or separates individual levels is, you know, the level of uh, the quest. It's the monster you're fighting, the quest you're doing, um, and the level. So low rank, high rank, or master rank. As for any percent or maybe um, any percent history books and any percent uh, colossal task, I think it was, um, those three runs, the three any percents, are divided to into three. The it divides any percent into three parts. There's the any percent history books that goes up to the first um, meeting of a monster called Zora Magdaros. That is the shortest of the run. Um, it's about an hour and a half, I think, an hour and a half to two hours. Um, any percent hit colossal task goes all the way up to the second Zora Magdaros meeting, and that is probably about like four or five hours if you're at my pace, but if you are at like world top level pace, it's probably around three hours. Um, and then any percent is full any percent. World record's about like five ten. My PB is seven hours because I haven't run that game in over a year. Um, what differs them mostly is stamina, and that's something that I've run into a lot with the games that I run as I run very long categories and games. Um, Personal stamina is very important for these games and to properly run them or else you're not going to be able to properly, you know, do the run. That's why categories like this are good, because if you only want to run an hour and a half, by all means, there's a category for that. Do it. Um, Whereas if you're like me and you're masochistic and you want to run seven hours, which my first run of that category is 14 hours, that that exists as well. Um, Final Fantasy XV, the differing categories typically are separated by whether or not you include DLC, and um, a very popular category was whether or not you include the Ring of the Lucy, or Lucy, or however you pronounce it. Um, For those who aren't acquainted with the game, the Ring of the Lucy um, is a ring that is essentially busted. They give it to you at the end of the game, and you have the ability to one-shot most, if not all, bosses uh, by or up to the end of the game from that point. So the normal any percent run, you just spam the ring. You, you get to a boss, you spam the ring, and it comes down to a numbers game of 
uh, <laughs> there's going to be uh, going to be this many casts. Or I what I would do when I ran the game is I would go, okay, how many casts is going to take us to beat Ravis? One, two, three, four. Okay, it's four. Yeah, go. And you know, we we had a whole game about it. Sometimes I got like one, 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 and it was amazing. I think the best I ever got was actually one, one, two. Um, but yeah they came up with a no ring category where you actually have to fight those bosses and that was the people didn't like spamming the ring against the last three major bosses that you should use it against and so they made the no ring category just kind of as a way to experience the end of the game without feeling bored out of their mind holding one button for half the time xenoblade chronicles 2 on the other hand, um, is separated by DLC and no DLC. The biggest separating factors between these two runs, I am probably the only regular no DLC runner. Um, the biggest separating factor is RNG. Xenoblade Chronicles 2, you have to understand that the game is not going to give you good RNG most of the time. You have to be willing to accept that it will give you bad RNG and prepare around it. In no DLC, there's probably about 15 to 25 minutes of comparable time lost or gained to RNG in any given run. Whereas in no DLC, or no, sorry, in DLC, um, the fact that you can get really, um, I'll call them tools because people may not know the context of the game. The fact that you can get really strong tools at the beginning of the game <laughs> means that you can just blast through everything. Um it's a lot more reset heavy because you're not you're not you know throwing yourself at the whims of rng to get what you want as much uh so there's a lot less comparable rng time whereas no dlc is a lot more of a reactive gameplay you you experience the game in such a way that you have to know what to do next in certain situations because oh i didn't get this tool or oh i didn't get that tool okay what do i do next as a result and that's that's very much more the type of speedrun I prefer is a very reactive and uh, open speedrun, not a run that you're just doing mindlessly over and over and over. And that's not to diss on anybody who does speedruns like those. Like if you do that, you do you. Like that that makes you happy. I support it. Um, I just don't personally like it. Yeah, if you if you enjoy those kind of if you enjoy those kind of games, I would highly suggest running <laughs> Final Fantasy Nine. <IX. laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, it's a um... Yeah, it's repetitive with uh, a lot of RNG. How many encounters do you get? <laughs> it's a lot of RNG. Like, a lot of RNG. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, but it's always interesting to hear the difference uh, the different difference in categories and, and different games that the runners uh, who are on the show bring up. And sorry if that was a, a load of information. It was just a lot to oh, say. No, no, it's, it's fine. It's, it's really interesting. It's interesting. Uh, but we're going to start to round off the podcast here a little bit. So I've just got a couple more questions and then we're going to do the, the quick fire round at the end. Uh, but I just want to want to ask you there, what's the most impressive speed run you've ever seen? Oh, God, um, this is a very tough one. Um, on one hand, I could say, you know, Ocarina of Time 100%. I'm a big fan of ZFG. Um, I love his content and that run is very execution heavy. Um, but on the other hand, being somebody who ran Final Fantasy XIII, many people, including myself, hail Final Fantasy XIII as the the hardest Final Fantasy to speedrun. Not because of RNG or anything like that, but because of how skill-intensive it is to actually get a good time. 
to, you know, do everything so perfectly. Um, you know, I was wondering how to improve my time one day, and Lou Dolphin once asked me. He was a former, if not current, world record holder. Um, he asked me, how much time do you spend practicing your menus? And I said, probably none. And he said, when I was working up to getting the world record, for every day for a long time, when I woke up, you know, if I didn't have something to do, I would practice my menus. I would have saves for each menu and I'd practice them. One, two, three, four. I'd get them done until I could do them with my eyes closed. And so I, I think when you understand the context of the Final Fantasy thirteen speedrun, it is an insanely impressive speedrun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I haven't personally seen that many of them. I've seen a few of the runs, but bits here and there. there. And it, it looks interesting, to say the least. A lot of the abuse of mechanics in that run um, is stuff that if you've played the game casually, you wouldn't have even thought of. Yeah, that that's one of the most mind-blowing things about speedrunning to me, personally. Like, watching a speedrun of a game you've played casually many, many times, and then having your mind blown about <laughs> yeah. something, something you've never even thought of, that's, that's what is fun for me when it comes to speedrunning, at least. But if you could give any piece of advice to anyone starting out or wanting to give speedrunning a try, what would that be? Support everyone. Um, that's, it's a very broad statement. I don't, unless that person is, you have a reason to very much dislike them to the point where you don't want to help them, just help them, support them, support their stream, host them, uh, anything like that. Um, because like it or not, with my whole talk about how speedrun's a hobby and everything like that. A lot of us stream with this, and a lot of us stop because we don't get viewers. Uh, I'm not trying to play some woe is me, it's just the fact of the situation. Support each other, uh, be there for each other, and tying back to that whole conversation of, you know, why are trans people showing up in speedrun communities? You should just just be good to each other. It, it helps people feel comfortable and helps them be themselves. And we want to be here to support each other. It's a race against ourselves. Uh, at the end of the day, if you want it to be something more, you can. But we're here to make ourselves happy and to embrace our personal competitive spirit. So just be good to each other. That's a that's a fantastic piece of advice. Really, uh, it can be applied to life as a whole as well just saying just be fantastic to each other right so we're gonna head into the quick fire round i'm gonna ask you three questions and you're not allowed to think for any of them you just get to answer as fast as you can you get maximum five seconds to think out an answer okay uh, so top of your head all right first question we're jumping in right now round one top three pizza toppings go uh i like mushrooms olives sausage round if you had to speedrun only one game for the rest of your life, which would it be and why? Probably Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Um, it's the only game I felt that I really can speedrun if I can actually get past the mental block of resetting a lot. Um, I enjoy its level of reactivity and RNG, and I feel that I am naturally better at it than some of the other games that I've speedrun. Round 3. And uh, the last one. If you were trapped on a desert island that had modern-day housing with electricity, plumbing, a bed, kitchen, a computer, what one item would you bring? And you're not allowed to say cell phone. 
Um, well, I honestly don't have use for a cell phone because I just spend all my time on the computer. I'm basically a neat. Um, if I have to bring one item, uh, my Switch. Oh, nice. Good choice. Good choice. All right, that's gonna that's gonna round up the speedrunner podcast here. So before we end it all, or not end it all, end the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the floor is yours. Uh, where can people find you and follow you? And shout, feel free to shout out anyone you want to shout out. Yeah, um, you can find me. I stream. Uh, I don't really have a set schedule, but I stream at uh, Twitch.tv/lexicona. You can also follow my Twitter at Lexicona TV, but I don't really post too much. I mostly just like, retweet, etc. I am hoping, though, to improve that in the future. Uh, any shoutouts? Uh, you know, all the communities I've worked with, y'all have been amazing. And despite my personal disagreements with people, which I haven't bothered to go into because they're, of course, personal. Um, you know, I've had a great experience being with most, if not all of you. And, um... I definitely cherish my time uh, with with everyone that I've met in the speedrunning community. So thank you all. Awesome. Well, that's going to round it up here for the Speedrunner Podcast episode number three. I have been Sir Penguins. You can find me at twitch.tv slash sirpenguins or follow the podcast on the Twitter, which is at speedrunpodcast. And until next time, I might just come up with a catchphrase to end this. I'll see you guys later. Mm-hmm.